This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 75 of the Wisdom by Wisa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Aguila. Welcome to Wisdom by Wesa on the Horse Radio Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WISA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. Today, we will be interviewing a WISA buyer. Sophia is here to share with us, again, how somebody can become a WISA buyer. Yes, yeah, so we refer to the qualified um, stores who attend the WESA trade show as a WESA buyer or retailer. And again, we don't just allow anyone to attend the WESA trade show, and that's just because we're not open to the public. It's so retailers interested in attending would have to provide three invoices from previous wholesale purchases, a retail tax license, a business card or something similar, and also an ID. What if someone is new and hasn't made any wholesale purchases before? So they can substitute the invoices with a copy of their lease um, of their store or even just a picture of their store, the storefront and or also a copy of their website. Really anything that shows that they are truly a store attending to buy from Western and or English vendors. We've actually added a lot of new stores recently so um, who are just starting out. So it's great that they can use WESA as a platform to connect to the right people right away, and we're happy to help. And can you restate the application steps again? Yes, so people can call us at 800-295-1041 or go straight to the website, which is westsidetreasure.com slash attend and download the application form at the bottom of that page. And then just fill it out, attach your documents, and send it back to us and wait for your WESA login. In 1910, Charlie Hagel, a German immigrant, started Hagel's Harness in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, selling, reconditioning, and repairing work and pleasure harnesses for horse-drawn buggies. Today, that business is known as Hagel's West, one of the country's oldest Western wear and tack stores, which is operated by Charlie's great-great-grandson, Patrick, and his wife, Dana. Patrick joins us today to chat about the store's unique history and its bright future. If you're into horses, regardless of your specific interest, you really need to listen to Horse Radio Network's live morning show, Horses in the Morning. This five-day-a-week show covers virtually everything important in the horse world. If you can't catch the show live at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, it's posted on the Horse Radio Network's website immediately after. Pat Jackson, welcome to Wisdom by Wisa. Thanks for having me. 
This is going to be a fun show, I know for sure. It's always fun to talk to retailers because, let's face it, in many ways, unless you retailers sell something, the business doesn't go anywhere. And you're now running what is a fifth-generation business that started out in making harnesses for horse-drawn carriages. And here you are with one of the broadest lines of boots and a lot of experience in this business. Just for our listeners' benefit, especially our fellow retailers, give us a a quick generation by generation how the business transfigured from a harness company to what you have now, which is a full-line Western store. Sure. So in 1910, my great-great-grandfather, Charlie Hagel, opened it in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, opened the business in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, like you said, as a harness shop. Um, my grandfather, who's actually my mom's dad, so it's transitioned to the from the wife's side or the mom's side multiple times. So I'm not a Hagel. As you said, my name is Pat Jackson. Um, so Charlie Hagel did harness. And then um, he, one of his daughters or, or family members was, was never really a part of it. But my grandpa, uh, my, like I say, my mom's father, he got involved in it. He was, a, he was a federal bank examiner, but also ended up taking over the business. Um, and I think in the 50s or the 60s, and him and my grandma ran the store. Um, when my when my uh, grandpa was out doing on the road doing the bank examining, then my grandma ran the store. Um, my parents purchased it, uh, the business in I want to say early '90s um, from my grandparents. Actually, I think my grandpa had passed away, so they bought it from my grandma. And my dad has been working here for almost 50 years now. I uh, sort of sort of stepped back a little bit with COVID and he had a knee replacement and years of taking a toll on him a little bit, but he still comes in the store um, weekly. I mean, he's here every couple of days a week. Um, and then my wife and I purchased the business. Oh, I want to say 2014, 2015 uh, from my parents. And uh, my wife isn't a part of the business. She is a CPA by trade, uh, but she still comes to WESA. Um, find some great fashion items. I mean, the, the, the selection at WISA is never ending. I mean, you can find just about anything down there, but uh, she takes part by helping me find uh, styles down there. So that brings us today. Um, I have a four and a three-year-old boy uh, and another third boy coming in 10 days. So that would be the sixth generation of the business. So that is a, a long lineage uh, in the family of running this business successfully. Tell us a bit about the store now. Uh, I know you've moved to several times. You've got a pretty broad inventory. Um, how how big is the store? So well, we are 4,500 square feet um, on our main floor. We do have a basement, but it's more for storage. Uh, that's the one thing we're pretty fortunate. You know, most retailers don't have don't have that space to store stuff, and we're pretty fortunate about that. Granted, that basement, it's full of five generations of people saving stuff downstairs. So so being as there is 4,500 square feet of, of storage, there's a lot of cool relics down there. You know, for one example, uh, Panhandle Slim re-released that uh, uh, Brooks and Dunn flame shirt a couple of years back. And I called our rep and we still had two of the original, uh, the original cardboard cutouts uh, from Brooks and Dunn when they released that shirt 25, 30 years ago. So that was pretty cool to display. But uh, yeah, so it's a 4,500 4, square foot store. 
And you were telling me you happen to be, happen to have one of the uh, major retail chains in our industry right across the street that you can compete with. We do. If you walk out our front door, you will walk into Boot Barn right across the street from us. So that's that's made it interesting. You know, it's concentrated um, all of our customers. Now they're all in one area. Um, I guess we don't like talking bad about any of our retailers, but you know, it's being a family owned business. Our full-time gal has been here almost 24 years. Dad's got 50 years of experience. I started working here in 94, went to college for five years and still worked on holidays, summers, and then came back. So I've been in here pushing 26 years. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, having that national retailer across the street, it's uh, the customer service. That's one thing we thrive on, um, especially in the Western industry. Customer service still goes a long ways. People want to be, want to be greeted. They want to be waited on. And uh, you know, that's the one thing that the big national chains can always provide that we can just a little bit more personable feel when you walk in our business. Now, one of the things that I read, I think you have a huge boot selection, right? We do. We got, uh, I think we're up uh, three, 4,000 pair now. And I'm just wondering from a strategic standpoint, uh, for other retailers who are listening, uh, the advantage of a large boot inventory. Well, like I say, it is a, a big undertaking to have that kind of inventory and back stock. Um, but it's, it's been huge for us. And especially in these times when product has become so difficult to come by, you know, we're, scratching for different companies trying to trying to get new product and trying to get fill-ins and it's it's become very difficult and being that we had that that uh that amount of product those boots to choose from it's helped us helped us weather the storm a little bit better um one funny thing is you know grandpa hagel when he opened the store as as a harness shop he always said if you want to go broke, put in boots and clothing. Well, that's uh, that, that's that's what we are now, and uh, we've uh, we're having actually our our best year in 112 years um, ever uh, currently. So it's business has been good uh, considering all the challenges we've been facing. Um, so we just keep doing what we're doing and keep plugging away and see what tomorrow brings. It's time for our fashion consultant, Casey, uh, to step in here. I wanted to comment on that big boot selection, but uh, uh, Casey is our fashion expert, and uh, I know wants to know a bit more about the fashion lines you carry. He always says that, but I just like clothes. That's all there is to it. Um, I, I just want to take a different approach than I typically do in these interviews, and I would love to talk to you about your trips to WESA trade shows and as a retailer, because this podcast is uh, so many listeners and I would just love for any new retailers to maybe get some advice from somebody like you that has in a successful family business, obviously for many, many generations, that means you guys are doing something right. Any advice you have in navigating WESA trade shows for the first time as a retailer looking for brands to carry and just how you go about that experience. Ooh, that's a tough one. There's a, there's a long list there. Um, I would say plan more time as much time as possible, because especially with the big move to Dallas, uh, that world trade center where where WESA is currently held, it's, it's, I don't want to say overwhelming. There's just, what is there? 14 floors of merchandise and not all of them are Western and not all of them are open all the time, but it's, it's crazy how much, uh, you know, the, 
different lines and different products that are available at these shows. Um, sure. It seems like every appointment always goes late. You know, you're, you're never on time, but that's the, that's the WISA routine. You're always chasing, trying to stay on time. Um, but, yeah. and making appointments, that's crucial just because everybody is so busy at these shows. Having an appointment is, is pretty important. But uh, the, the one thing that I wish I had more of more time was that just to go find new lines. Cause like I say, we carry I don't know, 50, 60, 70, hundred different lines in our store. And it's just impossible uh-huh. To see them all at WISA. They're all there and then some. Sure. Um, but that's that's my goal this year is to to find some new yeah. lines and just set aside some time where um, we can just wander and not have just have an open schedule. Sure. And I would have to imagine that um, really catering to your customers and knowing who your customer is, what they will buy, what they like. That's obviously something you guys have honed in on for many, many, many years. What any any secrets to that success in in getting to know your customers besides just literally putting in the time? You know, it's it's interesting. We had a, a rep in in the store this morning, and we all say, "Well, we don't like that." And what my dad has always said is, "You, you have to buy." you can't just buy stuff you like because there is obviously you got to know your customer. You got to know your customer base, but you need to, you know, sort of diversify. We, we've always traditionally been sort of a meat and potatoes kind of store. Um, Now with the fashion and, you know, as, as the ever changing industry, you know, switches gears and new styles come out, new fashions, you've got to stay on top of it. And, you know, being a meat and potatoes, a, a pretty traditional store, that's been one of our challenges over the years is, you know, staying on top of it. Um, we got to, you got to put in these new styles, even though you may not believe in it, you got to rely on these sales reps to to tell us what's working, you know, what they're seeing, what the trends are. Sure. And uh, that's been, that's been one thing that we've noticed, you know, as far as buying for our clients is just, you know, getting out there and getting out of our comfort zone and trying some new product lines. What do the typical customers look like for you? Do you have any that don't typically dress in Western wear that come for like the novelty item? We do. Um, Our customer base, uh, we're in the southeast corner of South Dakota, and we pull from about a 100-mile radius, which includes Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. Um, A lot of our customers ag-based, a lot of farming around here. But also in Sioux Falls, they built a big event center, and it seems we have a country concert. Yeah, every other week is you know going on out there, and that's been huge for us. Is the the the, the concerts? Um, people come in, they want their boots, uh, they want their their pearl snap shirt, or even you know some fancy shirts, like you say the novelty shirt. And so we do see that yeah. that as well. But the the majority of our customer base, I'd I'd say, is the egg based customer, uh, the farmer, um, yeah. uh, is, is who we see for the most part. And I, I love the reason I'm picking your brain so, so much is because obviously you you don't see generational businesses very often anymore. It seems they seem to be dying off. So the fact that you were the great, great grandson of, you know, the original founder is quite impressive. And so I would love some of our listeners that are um, from the brand perspective to know what they can do for a retailer to be considered to be carried in their store? What, what could brands do to catch the eye of new retailers? 
Sure. Now, when we've seen this a lot with a lot of our, we're now competing against some of our vendors. Um, you know, they all have their own dot com um, presence now, and it's it's been challenging. Uh, we've heard it from not just in our industry, but across the board. You know, these 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 uh, manufacturers are now direct to consumer. Um, yeah, I love I love these these. Um, these retail or these uh, manufacturers that don't offer that because it's like I don't want to go up to bat. I don't want to go fight against try to compete with my own, you know, my own vendor. Sure. Um, so sure. that's that's huge for us in our eye. You know, my dad would never do business with with sales reps that would never call on him. He was sort of old school, old fashioned, and he wanted to be taken care of. He wanted to be called on. Um, now there's some hotlines, you know, where we don't always see sales reps, and I'll, I have work past that little, you know, if we don't see a sales rep, it's fine, especially with technology anymore, you know, email or Zoom calls or all that. It's pretty easy to see lines and and get a hold of people these days. But uh, yeah, as far as the vendors, that's that's, that's huge for us. I don't want to be competing against my own my own vendor and it, it's going to happen. It does happen all the time, but it's just, it's just one little, one more thing in this crazy business climate that we got to compete against. Sure. Sure. Can I ask an operational question here? <clears throat> because at the re- I'm sure in your earlier in your father's day and before that people came in, they bought something, they pulled out their wallet and they gave you cash. Then maybe they begin to use credit cards. But in today's market, especially at retail, there are so many different payment methods. And I'm wondering what your thoughts and observations have been in terms of retailers uh, either wanting or not wanting to adopt new payment methods, especially for the younger consumer. You know, our our credit card machine now accepts Apple Pay. You know, it does all all that those new forms of payments. Um, it's crazy because, like I say, my dad comes in here and people ask to pay with you know where they tap their phone or Apple Pay, and he has no idea no idea what what those are. I sort of chuckle a little bit. I'm like, Dad, it's all right. You know, even I'm not up to speed on on some of these payment systems. But uh, I mean, it's that's that's the wave of the future. You have to get with, with the times. I mean, if, if this is all they have and a lot of these younger generations, they have Apple pay, they pay with their phones, they pay with their watch. Um, and if you don't offer that, there's a good chance that you can miss out on that, uh, that sale. So it's, it's huge. You know, it's predominantly most of our business is still credit card, but we do have a number of, uh, cases weekly or monthly, where people are paying with with uh, these new forms of payments, whatsoever it be. And I think it will probably become more uh, as uh, uh, more generations come in uh, to buy from you. And it even becomes more prevalent among the millennials and other people who've, for what's lots of reasons, decide they really don't want to use a credit card or they don't want to use cash. Um, and, so I was just curious what uh, uh, what you were doing because I think other retailers are probably facing the same challenge. How do we accept? Uh, how do we? We know how to get a customer in, and we know how to take care of that customer. And then they pull out their phone, or they pull out their watch, or something else to make their purchase. And uh, the retailer needs to be able to accept that payment if he's doing everything else right. 
Sure. You know, and, and one thing I think is, you know, tells the waves of the times, you know, all of our rodeo wallet checkbook covers, they used to have a spot for wallets with the, you know, the plastic flap, you know, for the carbon copy checks. <laughs> We're struggling. I got still got some old boys still looking for that type of wallet for their checkbooks. They just don't have them anymore. Nobody makes them anymore. And that just tells you, you know, that, that, that a lot of people don't take checks anymore. But just uh, we the checks we're seeing few and fewer of, and it's switching over, like you say, to the the credit cards and these newer forms of payment. So we've noticed that that too, you know, in the store. Well, and I think it'll become more prevalent. Uh, Pat, is there anything else about your store and uh, the family that has uh, guided it that we haven't talked about uh, that you think people should know about the business? Like uh, you pointed out, the family-owned business it's it's a dying breed we're a dinosaur they're just just not happening whether it be the retail store or the family farm we're just there's become fewer and fewer of us everything you know uh everything's becoming more corporatized if you will um so it's it's cool that you know we hear stories i know there's another uh western store up in minneapolis and they're i think 114 years and uh even eastern south dakota there's a number of family-owned um, stores you got Double D up in Huron, and then um, Hitchin Post up in Aberdeen. We talk to each other all the time. Um, when COVID hit, we'd call each other. How you doing? What's going on? What are you guys doing? How are you going to do things different? Um, and then when it's you know it's become harder and harder to find product, we'll call each other and ask, Hey, do you have this shirt? Do you have this jean? You know, so it's it's pretty cool that that. Uh, we can still do that um, as our, you know, we can work together as a, as a team during these times. I think that's a great, uh, a great piece of information. We don't hear about that too often. Pat, I tell you, we've enjoyed talking about your company and your business and how you're growing it. Uh, maybe one quick question. What do you see in the future that might be different if we were talking two or three years from now uh, in the business in general or uh, in your store in general, if anything? So one big undertaking for us has been um, creating an e-commerce presence. Um, we started in April of 2020, um, integrating our software into an e-commerce platform so that we are able to sell online. Uh, since then, we have launched our website, uh, com, and we are slowly adding product on there. Just, you know, you got you to gotta have that online presence. If you don't, you're missing out. Um, since we've launched, we've had a handful of orders. Um, it's sort of been a soft release as not everything is on there. So for us, you know, that's, that's for the store. That's what we're going to see new going forward in the next few years. It's just that online presence, um, business, the business climate in, in general, you know, I, I hope this isn't the new way of doing business, you know, struggling to find products, having lead times from these vendors that are months and months out. Um, it's crazy, crazy times. I know, across the board from the manufacturers and the shipping, uh, things have just gotten really screwy. And, you know, I hope this isn't the new way of doing business, but I guess, you know, only time will tell. So. 
Well, and you seem to be adjusting to it as uh, best you possibly can. So I think that uh, your uh, your store will be there and the family will be in the business. That young generation coming up in uh, another 20, 30 years will be, uh, we'll, I know we'll be talking to them, but I'm sure that uh, someone will be talking to them about uh, uh, how the company has grown since their great, 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 great grandfather started the harness business back in 1910. Yep, it should should be interesting. It uh, it's been a great 112 years, and uh, we'll stick around here just to see what happens next. I guess. Okay, thank you, Pat. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for the time. You bet. Bye bye. All right. Thanks, bye. Pat. Bye. You bet. Thanks, Casey. Bye. The show notes and links from today's show can be found at wisdommywisa.com. And, of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. There's a contact link on that website. The Wisdom by Wisa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. Wisa, where the industry meets.